Hello, you're listening to the Bonded Books Podcast, where we discuss books, fight over book boyfriends, and the lack of filter is a family trait. If you're lucky, you might even hear one of our dogs barking in the background. Because hey, if we have to deal with them, then so do you. We hope to dazzle you with our discussion while not being hurtful to the authors we feature. Success not guaranteed. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hello. Hi. Hey, how are you? <laughs> I'm here. I'm ready. I'm ready as I'm going to be. Well, yeah, I'm glad you said that because same here. It's like I've realized that <sighs> I hadn't printed out my notes. I drank <laughs> coffee. I couldn't stop my headphones from spinning to get the stupid things on before I <laughs> got to you. And I'm like, oh, my God, she's waiting for me. <laughs> Panic mode activated. Oh, my God. Yeah, I know. <sighs> okay. All right. <laughs> Happy day after Christmas. Oh my gosh, yes. Barely hanging on here, but we're doing it. We're doing it is right. Um, <laughs> so I thought I already had my notes printed out and I had highlighted what I wanted to talk about and no, none of it. So, okay. That's fine. I barely finished my notes today. Mm. It's just the struggle is real. The struggle is real. And the heart palpitations are even more real. Let's uh, jump in and do this. Okay. Do let's, this or get this over with. I, however I was gonna, you want to phrase Let's put this to bed, shall we? <laughs> yes, please. All right. So um, we're going to be discussing a book. Well, I'm taking the intro. Is that all right? Yes. Okay. Exhibit A of how much coffee I've had. Okay. Um, we're going to be talking about a book called Playing With Fire. It's a magical romantic comedy. And the author says with a body count. And the author's name is R. Blaine. Yes. I have a lot of issues with the fact that this is called a romantic comedy. Uh, I have a lot of issues with the fact that it's a book. But go ahead. <laughs> My New Year's resolution is <laughs> is to try to be nicer, but I don't well, hold out much hope. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. This book was not funny. I I already don't like comedies. I'm so here's my disclosure about this to everybody. I selected this book, and the reason I selected this book is because when I saw it, it had five thousand reviews i didn't read the reviews because as i had said before i don't want to know anything about a book before i read it i should have looked at the reviews because it was probably five thousand what the hell is this reviews <laughs> yeah uh wtf is a pretty accurate summary for this book yeah we could just wrap it up right now just with that <laughs> I will say that the cover is really, really cool. It is very cool. The cover has like a unicorn with like flames. It's like a black unicorn and fire and all this stuff. So the cover like sucks you in. 
I actually even like the beginning of the book a lot because it takes place in a coffee shop. Yeah, <laughs> our favorite. <laughs> our favorite. And the main um, heroine's name is Bailey. And she's the only human that works as a barista in a coffee shop called Fairy Fortunes Coffee and Bookshop. So it's got two of our favorite things, coffee and book. And apparently people go there because they will pay top dollar to get pixie dust infused in their latte. Yeah, it's a legalized... Mm. narcotic basically <laughs> yeah so it's like all of us with our addiction and going to starbucks it, this is like the urban fantasy pixie version of that for this book right it starts with her working at the coffee shop and in walks a guy his name is chief quinn and he walks in the door and She's very nervous about seeing him for a couple of reasons. One, bad things always happen. She says when he's around, he's also known as Manhattan's most wanted bachelor. Also, she has this point of view conversation where she says to herself, without my help, he'd still be married too. And he is described, and I actually like this a lot, as hotter than sin and my heaven and hell rolled together. I highlighted that too. His description is pretty good. It is very good. One smoking, tall, dark, and handsome package hated me for a good reason. It was his fault, too. He had been the one to ask me for help finding his wife. I had found her all right, right in the middle of teaching a college stud the nuances of the reverse cowgirl. Yeah, that <laughs> I, I highlighted that, too. So Bailey is a human barista working at this fairy coffee shop. But she's also a private investigator or she used to be. And like this incident was like the last job she took. Yes, she apparently has a knack at finding things that are lost. And at the time he asked for her help because his his wife was lost. She has mixed emotion about this guy and her, she works for a woman named Mary and Mary comes up behind her as um, Bailey's watching him walk in the door and says to her, you're drooling. And it explains that Mary is a moth fairy with a pixie heritage. This book is funny because it makes me think of like the Disney movie Zootopia almost. Mm. But like with humans, because it's like a urban fantasy, but there's a lot of mythical characters. And then there's a lot of like animal type things. Yes. It's so there's just anything that you could think of in the fantasy paranormal <laughs> world will appear in this book. And I'm not even joking. <laughs> if you could dream oh it, this God. author can write it into this book. Right. Exactly. Mary asks uh, Bailey if she could watch the shop for about an hour because she has to run out and do an errand. She really doesn't want to. She agrees to do it. And of course, during that hour, it's the busiest hour of, her entire life and that's when they start talking about these magical creatures that come into the store there's a centaur uh there's all kinds of things like rachel said it's a legalized recreational drug place with pixie dust you could get the highs without the lows and they keep four different grades of this stock from a plus down to c i guess right <laughs> yeah my, I'm just going to apologize right now because my dogs are in the room with me and one of my dogs is snoring. So when you hear like <laughs> snoring. In the oh, God. 
Oh, yeah. She's sitting like three feet from me on her little dog bed and she's got her head all like. So anyways, that's the weird background noise you're going to hear. So when Mary left the coffee shop, she left with Chief Quinn, which instantly made Bailey a little, you know, pissed off. Not only is she covering the shop for an hour, Mm -hmm. but then Mary left with like the guy that Bailey's like obsessed with. And then I love the part where she's like working in the coffee shop and (laughs) at some point in the day, the humans show Mm -hmm. up and she says that they're the worst customers and that made me giggle. It's true. They're rude. (laughs) <laughs> and the guy, a guy comes in, a man comes in, and he orders an espresso with A plus pixie dust, heavy on the dust. And the f- bill for that is three hundred and ten thousand dollars. Yeah, apparently the stuff is. Super I'm sorry, three hundred and ten dollars, <laughs> not thousands. Did I say thousands? Well, might as well be. I might as well be right. <laughs> It's like me when I go to Starbucks yes. and I get in my free free coffees. Yes, and she's living for her relief. Uh, co-workers to come in and their pixie sisters that should have arrived by now to start their work shift and their name is Avita and Leanne no idea okay yeah it doesn't matter because I don't think they ever come up again she ends up working all day at this coffee shop by herself because Mary never returned the pixie sisters never showed up and then there was somebody else that was supposed to show up that never showed up i'm not sure why that is because that never comes back except for at the end of her shift she closes down the coffee shop and writes a note to mary saying i quit yes but before that happens the chief quinn's former brother-in-law whose name oh yeah is magnus mcgee comes into the counter steps up to the counter and she's all freaked out she doesn't want to see him because it was his sister that was married to the chief that she caught um having sex with one of her students and he he says to her i hear you're really good at finding people i i need you to help me find somebody yeah and he offers her a ridiculous amount of money like a hundred thousand dollars or something yeah a clue one of she's, one yeah she's like that's not true. I don't do that. I don't know where you heard that. And he's basically at the end, just like hands her a cell phone and is like, yeah, yeah, sure. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. You don't do that. But here's this phone anyways. And I'll call you later with more details. Right. The thing that they also get into in this beginning of the book is that even though she is a human, she works doesn't she work part-time at this point? She works part-time for the CDC. So yeah, eventually we find out that she's a CDC contractor or she works for them part-time. It's not very clear why she works for the CDC and she works as a barista when she could just work for the CDC full-time. And, right. And she's also called in by the cops to help out once in a while. So she's a multifaceted person, apparently. Yeah, she's a jack of all trades. And she has some kind of abnormality or talent. She has a lot of abnormalities. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she ha- it starts with her immunity to pixie dust and a few other magical substances. And that's why the cops sometimes call her in uh, and pay her uh, to get rid of some of the nastier substances, including something called 
Gorgon vomit. I just cannot believe how many times Gorgon dust and yeah. Gorgon vomit come up in this book. And bile. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I know. Is that the only kind of creature that there's an issue with here? I thought the same thing. Because yeah, it's, it turns people to, it turns everyone to stone except her because she has some weird immunity. Yeah, she's immune to like all sorts of different magical things. She ends up playing with this Gorgon dust and vomit more than she plays with fire. Like, yeah. This title, they might as well have like a freaking Medusa on the cover throwing up. That's how much it's in the book. <laughs> right. When Bailey ends up telling Mary she's going to quit, um, she thinks, well, she sh won't have a problem finding another job because there's very few people that can handle these dangerous substances without a hazmat suit. She's one of three uh, people that is certified in New York City that can handle these dangerous substances. But yet she works as a barista, overworks yeah. as a barista in a coffee shop and lives in a shitty apartment yeah. in Queens. Yeah. And she had to take like several buses and the train and whatever after she quit and left the coffee shop and didn't get home until one in the morning. It's like, does Uber not exist in your magical world? Are you so down on your luck that you have to do this? Yeah, ask the CDC <laughs> for a raise for God's sake. Or something. Yeah, so when she finally gets home, she turns on this phone that the ex-brother-in-law gave her to help her to help him find this person he wants her to help find. And the device immediately detonates. And there's a cloud of dust and there's glass shards that burst in her face. And she's like, who the hell turned a phone into a miniature bomb? Magnus McGee, that's who. And when she sniffs her shirt... <laughs> It smells of the scent of wet earth, which is a dead giveaway to her that it's gargon dust. It's going to turn victims into stone. And she realizes that this McGee person hadn't just tried to kill her. He tried to petrify her into stone. And it was a great way to get rid of them because you can cart them off before reversing the petrification mm -hmm. with a neutralizer. It's a little terrifying to think of. It could like make you a statue and then just come in and cart you away. Jeez, I could just hit you with a sledgehammer, burst you into a million pieces, and that's the end of you, right? She's trying to hide her magic, so she's not, wasn't classified, which I don't know why that would be. If they're, she's living in a world of magical people, why is she worried about being classified? It doesn't really make sense. She says her classification is V for vanilla, and she's trying to pose as a normal human. Mm -hmm. I, I don't really get well, it. Well, she says as a harmless practitioner. Uh, okay. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. She says pretending that I needed tools to tap into magic would keep me off the radar. All of this happens in the very first chapter. Like <laughs> by page three, we've had all this happen. <laughs> it's insane. So she's like, now her apartment's full of Gorgon dust. Mm -hmm. She's got a face full of shrapnel. She talks about picking the glass out of her face in tweezers. Yes. And how she's lucky that she already wasn't that good looking because it didn't really change her appearance that much. I'm just like, oh my gosh. Yeah, she has really bad self-esteem throughout this whole book. And mm -hmm. um, I don't understand where that is coming from, but okay. She tries to get some sleep and then she ends up waking up at noon. Um, she tries to use her magic to figure out what Magnus was up to. So she gets out paper, ink, and a couple other things. Mm-hmm. And she, as she's like trying to do this Ouija board summoning circle, whatever thing, mm -hmm. there's a knock, knock, knock on the door. And 
it's Chief Quinn. Yes, but she gets an answer. She she asks, was the phone revenge for finding proof about Audrey McGee, Quinn's uh, wife, ex-wife, above her infidelity? And a single word appears on the sheet and it says, yes. This is like the magical version of a magic eight ball. Yeah, but then it, then she <laughs> says again, a single confirmation wasn't enough. Without fail, there are consequences associated with using my talent. Yeah, because every time she uses her magic, she thinks that something bad happens. Like when she used her magic and found the cheating ex-wife and then that led to Chief Quinn getting a divorce and hating her. And so in her mind nothing good ever comes out of her using her magic. Yeah. And it, it said, she asked if it was revenge against her and it just said, not you. And she realizes it's against the chief um, who she has a mad crush on. And there's the knock on the door and she Bailey yells out to the chief, get someone to seal the door. Someone bombed my place with gargon dust. Yeah, she says that she cleaned, but she's not sure how well she did it. And she breathed in some of the dust because it exploded in her face. And he tries to ask her who did it to her through the door. Mm -hmm. And when she goes to say it was Magnus McGee, she ends up passing out. And so then she wakes up. The door to the apartment is like hitting her in the head because she like slumped right in front of them. Mm -hmm. I could just picture like them opening yeah, the door and like bam. bashing her head and even more. Right. <laughs> so then some people show up in hazmat suits. And one of the guys that showed up is from forensic. She calls him Perky. Yeah. Um, he's like a medical forensic guy. And so they go to work cleaning up the apartment. I guess and that, that nickname she gave him is supposed to be part of the hilarious humor that takes place in this book. Uh, okay. <laughs> if you say so. Yeah. His real name is Perkins, but she calls him Perky. Mm -hmm. There's a way to like um, quarantine or isolate people that have gone through like inhaling Gorgon dust or whatever. And the thing that they have to do is put them into a what they call a glass coffin. Yeah, this is horrible. Did they say this was a rom-com? Because I can already tell you they lied to us. This is not funny. Right, like, yeah. <laughs> right, exactly. So she she doesn't have a choice. She has to go in there decontaminated. And mm -hmm. she, they put her in a coma while the CDC evaluates and monitors her health. And if they determine that she's a carrier and capable of infecting other people they're probably going to euthanize her they put you in the glass coffin with a like oxygen mask on under like a, a medical coma mm -hmm. and it's just a wait and see and so you never know when you're going into it if you're going to come out of it or if when you, they call it a glass coffin because if you're like um if you turn into the thing they're trying to quarantine you from they just end up like killing you and burying <laughs> you in the glass coffin. yeah they never <laughs> open you up they never no, open they just it up. The they whole just, thing in yeah, there. Yeah, they just plant it. Oh, it's so horrible. So, okay. Yeah, so then she ends up coming out of the sedation from being in the glass coffin. Mm -hmm. She's having seizures, full body spasms. She's surrounded by doctors and this person called Professor Yale. She, like, rolls out of the glass coffin and army crawls to the bathroom so she can puke her guts up. And she talks... Or, talks a little bit about her things about how she's done this before mm -hmm. as part of her like CDC training 
or because of other things that have happened in her past with the CDC. It all sounds horrible and it's not funny at all. Yeah, so her this Professor Yale apparently was a teacher of hers. She was known as his favorite pain in the ass. And she says, well, did they call you in from retirement because of this? And he, he just seems more than happy to to kind of put her through. Torment, torment her. her. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to find the right words. And put her through hell. She ended up having to spend four days in the glass coffin. She's going to have a really lengthy recovery process. It ends up blowing apart, I guess, your own immune system. And then they have to inject you with antibiotics to rebuild your immune system professor yale's all about the tough love and <laughs> she has to like redo all of her vaccinations yeah, everything because of yeah because of her immune system being messed up from the glass coffin we find out here that she actually has top level containment certification with the cdc yes and like six different branches of the cdc because her she is immune to magical items right so she's not just a little common barista she's actually a big deal which again makes me ask them why the hell is she working at the coffee store i don't know i don't know i don't know why a lot of things okay. with bailey happen right. there, uh, there like... rhetorical questions i'm asking here okay yeah so she's finally able to tell them that magnus mcgee was the one that gave her the phone that blew up in her face and the chief tells her that he was found dead in the park chief quinn is there because he's actually the one that put her into the glass coffin which they almost have this like enemies to lovers uh back and forth at the beginning of the book mm -hmm. so when he's like putting her in the glass coffin at the beginning i was like oh this is really sad and like you know of course of all people she's freaking out even more because she's like of all people to put me in the glass coffin it's the guy that hates me the most and blames me for ruining his marriage he was there when she was revived because he apparently had a right to be there since he was the one that put her under in the first place. But she ends up having a fight with him and he storms off. Shocker. She said a bunch of stuff that pissed him off. But then she goes into the hospital, right? Because she's not getting better. What ends up happening is she spends two weeks in the hospital because she got pneumonia. She gets released from the hospital but she can't go back to her apartment because it got napalmed mm -hmm. after, <laughs> after the Gorgon dust incident. Yeah. Oh, right. She's super depressed. It's really sad. She had absolutely no visitors in the hospital because she has no friends and nobody likes yeah, her. <laughs> and I think yet again, how is this a comedy? I don't know. And oh, she calls her parents. So she has to go to the DMV to get her driver's license. She doesn't even have a bank card. She can barely afford $200 from her bank account to try to get a hotel room. She calls her parents. She's estranged from them. And it's a horrible yes, interaction. Yeah. Very depressing. Yeah. And she tells them the CDC had to napalm my apartment. Is there any chance that I can stay with you for a few days? And, and she says, please. And her mom just goes, no. And hangs up on her. It's horrible. She couldn't even. It's so bad that she had to like beg somebody to let her use a phone so that she could call her mom. Yeah. To try to go home. And her mom just says no and hangs up on her. And it's just like, this book is so depressing. Yeah. So she says that her parents, I guess, hated magic and they hated her from the day she was born. But they, I don't, at this point, they don't tell you why. Um, she mm -hmm. says she specializes in burning her own bridges. And why can't she just be normal um, and be somebody that people could actually care about? So I think that her, I don't think I know her parents hated her so much because the mom got pregnant with her. 
but the family didn't want her and they ended up getting, it was like a one night stand. And so the mom and dad ended up getting married because the mom got pregnant. Oh, and the dad and, was from a, a well-known standing family. Yeah. And they frowned upon abortion. So they still had her, even though they didn't want her. So they made her life a living hell because they never wanted her to begin with. They always made sure she knew that she was never wanted. So this is why she has all of these self-esteem issues. Yeah, so she ends up... It's horrible. It is horrible. She, and on top of it, she ends up getting sicker and sicker. And so she ends up back into the hospital. She starts what she thinks is hallucinating in the hospital, that this yeah. Chief Quinn is beside her, her bed, and he's wearing a buttoned-up shirt and a pair of jeans that she says he must have stolen from an incubus, which was pretty funny, actually. And again, she says he's heaven and hell wrapped up in a glorious package. And she keeps imagining him in the chair besides her, but she can't talk to him because she's on a ventilator, but she's having a lot of inner dialogue. And she's all, I know he's just here to give me a scolding or a spanking. Yes, I definitely needed a spanking from Chief Quinn. And then he comes in, I guess he's wearing gym clothes. And she says that he sucks. She doesn't like him. She wants the the suit model back. He's wearing a Lakers jersey. And she's just more convinced that it's a hallucination because they're in New York. And she's like, why would he be wearing a Lakers jersey? The, oh, right. Because I think she saw him in the suit. She saw him in his police officer mm -hmm. um, uniform and she's seen him in this. So he keeps coming to the hospital to visit mm -hmm. her. And every time she thinks it's a hallucination. Right. But then when he comes in certain times, she just keeps crying and crying and crying. Yeah, right. <laughs> she She's saying that the jeans model Chief Quinn was rooted and didn't talk and he's angry as usual because let's face it. Oh, she says to him, you hate me because I'm a terrible person. And she tries to apologize for the fight that they got in earlier in like chapter two or whatever mm -hmm. it was. Um, but she just keeps saying, I'm sorry, but she's so out of it that she's like, he doesn't know what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah. <laughs> and, and she ends up saying, oh, we forgot to mention that, that Perky is in the room too. So it's the two of them, the two Perky, the chief and her she starts talking about you know am i wearing underwear turns to perky and she goes perky and he goes what is it you crazy woman and she's <laughs> all i want suit model chief quinn back and he goes oh i promise you you'll get that model back in time for christmas because he's in his gym clothes at this point and the, mm -hmm. the gym model the gym the chief in the gym clothes says you're going to go to hell, Perky. I don't even remember how this comes to be, but at some point she convinces Quinn to take off his jersey and yes! his undershirt, which, oh, by the way, who wears an undershirt with a jersey? That was kind of weird. Yeah, so I guess the doctor is, it's a, uh, a specialist comes in, and I think it's the doctor because she's so depressed and crying and stuff, and the doctor says, we need her to get better, and um, if you being shirtless is going to make her happy. I think you need to take your shirt off. Yeah. Oh, okay. I think you're right because the nurse like yelled at them. Like you're not going to be able to visit anymore. If you can't if you keep upsetting her. Stop yeah. My, yeah. The doctor's name is Dr. Valley chime. And, and Bailey's thinking, Oh, she's talking to my hallucination again. He, you know, takes his shirt off. Of course, she's like drooling over him because he looks so good. And she goes, I was thin, but only because I couldn't afford to eat too much. If he wanted, I bet he could break me in half with his hands and look good doing it. Right. Yes. <laughs> yeah. He, he's 
the way uh, they describe him in the book, he does sound pretty dang hot. So they say to him, just take the, the jersey off already. It won't kill you. And he's like, fine. So he yanks it off over his head. And he growled a little bit. Yeah. And the jersey ripped a little bit. And, and she <laughs> says, I'd like to report a crime, Officer Perkins. And he says, Perky says, I'm listening. She's all, anyone who looks that good should be a model. Perky, bur he bursts out laughing. And he's all, you heard her, sir. I'm going to have to write you up. Everyone, everybody should be able to admire you. Yeah. And then he says, if you take your pants off, you might even break her, sir. It's kind of cute because she thinks that she's hallucinating the whole time. And so she's just very free with what she's saying. It's all ridiculous. Right. And then the doctor ends up saying, because they are injecting her with all these substances that are meant to revitalize her immune system and they're not working. And they end up saying, the doctor says, we need to get the specialist in here. And they said, we're going to need to call the twins. <laughs> it's ridiculous how many times she was in the hospital, had pneumonia, yeah. and was in this glass coffin in the first five chapters. Because after this whole, like, take your jersey off underwear model incident, mm -hmm. she has pneumonia again. Mm -hmm. She spends two days in the ICU on a ventilator with absolutely no visitors. Mm -hmm. She gets transferred to an isolation ward and has another round in the glass coffin. She's like, oh my God, how long was this poor lady in the freaking hospital doing all these things because of that Gorgon dust infused cell phone bomb? I don't know. But these doctors that are twins are fairies and they're supposed to be able to start her immune system and they use a set of silver and gold chains that are etched with ruins oh yeah and she undergoes this horrific yeah. round Herbs. of like <laughs> magical painful yes. torturous medical procedures but don't worry people this is a rom-com yeah i <laughs> don't get it so then at the end of all this she's finally a little bit better but to test if she's actually really better they end up like throwing all of these things at her. Professor to Yale see if... does, right? Yes, of course. Professor Yale yes. comes back and he ends up like throwing all of these things at her to make sure that she can withstand them and actually be okay. And so then at the end, the very last thing he ends up doing, she's in like this glass room, observation room, and there's a bunch of CDC students mm -hmm. watching. Professor Yale says, okay, now we have one more thing we need to do, but I'm going to come in there and I'll do it too. Yeah, the thing I didn't get through all this, these horrible things he's doing to her is how does he know he's not going to kill her? <laughs> you know, how does he know? I don't think he does. It's just a chance that he's willing to take. I well, guess. that's what I mean. He's just willing to take the chance that he's going to kill her. Yeah. Yeah. Cause she even thinks like if, if they really like destroy my immune system again and kill me, I'm like going to haunt him forever or something. I don't know. But you know, he explains to the, to the class and, and she starts thinking there's only one compound that she can think of that he'd be willing to test on her. And she's thinking, Oh hell no, you're, you're not doing that to me. And it's some kind of transformative substance that carries a hazard rating. And he's only going to use a grade D sample on her because that's how potent this crap is. Yeah, every magical item has like a, a letter grade. Mm -hmm. So pixie dust is A through whatever, um, or A plus, 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 plus. Then this transformative thing is a D and it's a pill. Yeah, and it's special. It pill. makes all the victims 
change into whatever shape I guess they naturally are. I don't know. It's I don't really get it. It makes you like a shapeshifter almost because he turns into a rabbit, but he doesn't turn into a whole rabbit. He's like it's just his ears. Still yeah. human. Yeah, but then he gets like a bunny ears. Yeah, he has bunny ears. Yeah, and then she takes her pill, and then do you want to say what happens to her? Yes, this is how she becomes the unicorn. So she is this unicorn, and she's black and red modeled equine with a pointy stick on her head. She is the most dangerous of all shapeshifters, I guess. So later in the book, they refer to her as a cinder corn because she's a unicorn that can breathe fire and loves fire. It's it's very weird. So the other part that is extremely weird is, and this is the part when I first raised an eyebrow and said, what? <laughs> this is when you first raised well, an eyebrow? Well, you know what I mean. <laughs> I said, what in the motherfucking hell is happening here? Because she starts to speak. And oh, yes. the verbiage that this author uses for... Oh, God. She's not able to speak clearly or in full sentences. She's like... Not well, she's got that... She's, it's she, the horse mouth. That horse, she got that horse mouth all on a whole other level. Yeah, she's like this. Not funny. Hate you. <laughs> okay, he said. Yeah. The professor tells the students this is the first and the only time in your life you will ever see a unicorn of her breed. Yeah, she's not like other girls. <laughs> <laughs> yes, please. The best thing about this transformation or this transformative pill mm -hmm. is I love how they like made this transformative pill, but they don't have an antidote. They don't have a way to reverse it. So she just has to wait it out. Until well, <laughs> she says neutral. Oh There's a neutralizer, but I guess it's for the it works on the professor, but not on her. OK, that makes more sense. Yeah, because well, but then why does the magical stuff not? affect her but this is the only magical thing that actually well, does that doesn't because there wouldn't be a book otherwise i guess she said well the body comes with one ability that i absolutely love and it's fire all the fire fire for me to breathe enjoy and even roll in if i want and eat later in the book yeah and then they ask can all unicorns talk and she's like no and she stomps a, a hoof it's just ridiculous <laughs> i i don't okay it's it's definitely not what I was thinking was going to happen when I, you know, the cover is of a unicorn. Yeah. I didn't think she was going to no, be the unicorn. No, I thought she was going to be asked to find the unicorn. But no, she is the unicorn. Bailey, mm. please show them your claws. This is the other thing. Oh, yeah, she has claws. What the hell? She presses her her foot, her hoof on the glass and it uns unsheaths her claws and she starts tapping them on the glass and she exposes her teeth that are serrated and she's snorting flames. Yeah, she's like a dragon, but a unicorn also. And she got, this it's is what she says. Delicious. <laughs> My precious. I know! I'm like, what is this? And I'm like, I picked this book and I told you to read it? Holy crap, I'm never going to hear the end of this. Go ahead. Oh my gosh. So Good God. She, so of course she has to wait to transform back into a human. Mm -hmm. And the only place for her to go while she's in her horse form is drum roll. Some location. Yeah, ironically. Where could it be? I don't know. 
Chief Quinn's house. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my oh my god. So then but then when she like gets to the Chief Quinn's house, of course he has stairs because he lives oh in like god, a normal please. house. And she instead of going up the stairs, because she says it's hard to go up the stairs with her horse. Yes. <laughs> She can teleport from one location to another. I'm like, what? Yeah. What? <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's so funny. So then she gets like settled in Chief Quinn's house and she, she's like a lizard almost. And she always loves to be in fire or hot when she's in her unicorn form. So she ends up laying down and putting her head in the yeah. fireplace and breathing yeah. <laughs> in the fire. Yeah, it's it's it says she can't be the the professor explains to Chief Quinn that you know she has to be kept she can't be left alone the temperature has to be kept over eighty um, she might try to hibernate so don't let that happen make sure you have a fire going in the fireplace as hot as you can make it and she yeah, like can't wait and she likes to eat meat yes oh my god. She's the most high-maintenance, magical fire unicorn that's ever existed. Yeah, and she's afraid she's going <laughs> to reverse back into being a human without her... Because she has no clothes on. And she's going to be naked mm -hmm. in front of him. And she, again, here here we go with the storyline that I absolutely hate in books. She's terrified the chief is going to realize she's a virgin. Of all the embarrassing, ridiculous shit that she's yeah. done in front of this guy, I mean, you're a fucking unicorn with your, your head, head in the in fireplace. The fireplace <laughs> for the love of God. And you're worried about this? Yeah, come on. Priorities, lady. Plus, she's worried because it's going to cost a fortune. The chief's going to have to pay a fortune to keep her uh, hot with the firewood and with me. And she says to him... Apparently, she only <laughs> eats Wagyu beef. I don't... Yeah. <laughs> And she's all, sorry for the trouble. <laughs> That's really how it's written. It's all like written. <laughs> oh, it's ridiculous. So, like, she's not in that freaking fireplace for five minutes when he gets a phone call and he has to go back to the station. And for some reason, he can't leave her alone. Yeah. I don't, I don't understand why. So, she says that she'll take him to the station, but she doesn't want to go on or he wants to drive his car or whatever. And she's like, no, don't, <laughs> don't, you know, don't drive. I'll just take you on horseback. And he's like, oh, I need to get there quick. And she's like, I'm super fast. Let's make a bet. Time me. And I'll get you there in less than 10 minutes. And he like agrees to it. And um, the, let me see if I can find the quote of the terms of the bet. <sighs> There's about to be a bunch of background noise. I'm sure. Why your children so, are home or what? <laughs> oh, yes. I'm sorry. Yeah, me okay. too. <laughs> so she wants to do the bet and she says, when you here in house, no shirt, feed me best meat by hand. Grapes too. After all, what girl didn't want a shirtless man feeding her grapes? Unicorn or not, I was going to live the dream. Keep fire nice, bright, warm. Serve me. <laughs> okay, so I have to tell you something at this point. Uh-huh. I may have read more of the book but i honest to god i don't even, i could not do any more notes on this book after this point oh that's hilarious okay and we're on chapter six and you stopped doing notes i can't i, I could not do it so I'm, 
Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. I didn't realize until I printed my notes out for the show. And I'm like, wait a minute. I thought I had more notes than this. And then I realized, I guess I didn't. So this would be a great opportunity for you to start telling, you know, I know what happens in the book, but you can talk about it and I will comment, but I won't be able to take the lead on any of these exciting, breathtaking <laughs> chapters. Okay. All right. No problem. All right. So they so he rides her on horseback and he were she asked for a saddle he refused to put a saddle yeah, on because her. what like, it, it would okay. make him less of a man i don't okay. know so he rides on her bareback <laughs> through the city she ends up doing all this crazy shit to you know make the time to get to the police station and at one point she goes to like cross a river or something and she ends up teleporting with the chief on her back, which by the way, she's never done before. She's never done that with somebody riding her. So she didn't know if it was going to work. Yeah. So let's just and do it with the man I love more than anything. Yeah. So she ends up doing this thing she calls riding the light and they get to the police station. He's obviously super freaked out because it's just like insane what he went through. And then he, like, ditches her at the door because he's so, like, upset over how they got there. Well, he yells at her a lot, and it's a turn-on for her a lot. Of course it is. And then she ends up... He tells her to take the stairs to the eighth floor. Oh, yeah. What the hell? She's got hooves. Yeah, and she says no. She ends up taking the elevator, and who goes in the elevator with her but Perky? Oh, right. And, um, oh, and the phone call ended up being more Gorgon puke to deal with. <laughs> yeah. So it's like the, the last thing that she needs to deal with because she's not even fully recovered from what happened to her, but they've got to be careful with her. Yeah. So then she's still a horse at this point and they end up going to a building, 120 Wall Street, which had a bomb go off in it, which had Gorgon dust. So a bunch of people that work there were turned into statues and she has to go deal with the cleanup i'm like how is she supposed to do the fucking cleanup in her horse form well she's but okay. she's magical remember i guess yeah i don't know she ends up trying to do the cleanup it ends up being way worse than she thought it was there was like stuff in the um in the ceiling yeah in the ceiling in those little like panels there was stuff in the ceiling so because there was so much Gorgon dust everywhere in the office building or whatever, she ends up saying it's a massive um, contamination zone. And she ends up order. Oh, because it was in the ceiling and in the air vents because it was dust. So she's saying that the entire building is infected because the dust went through all the air vents and no place in the building is safe. So she says they need a massive containment on the building and to destroy the entire building with a neighbor. On top of this dust being in the ceiling in these containers, there's C4 strapped to the containers that were, are going to cause the explosion. Yeah, something about the C form would like interfere with the napalm or maybe because she was thinking they're going to napalm the building with her in it and she was going to die. She basically gave a kill order for the whole building, including herself, because she can't leave. Right. Now. But I, I think it was just because she liked C4. She said that <laughs> possibly well, see, it was her <laughs> second favorite compared to napalm, I think is what she says, but I'm not sure. 
Well, so she ends up going through the whole building, like top to bottom, making sure the whole building explodes. And as she's running through the whole building, she's eating the C4 and drinking the napalm as it comes into the building. Yeah, because it makes her warm. And she she it, likes the fire. Feels good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> she likes the fire feeling in her belly or something ridiculous. Yeah, it is absolutely ridiculous. Oh my god. So the entire building explodes and she prepares to die in a literal blaze of glory. <laughs> you can't get much warmer than that, right? So she wakes up in a, the pile of rubble with the worst napalm hangover. Oh yeah, because that's of, ever yes, happened. Because apparently that's how it affects her. It makes her feel like she's a hangover. Apparently. And she's still a unicorn, of course. There's, they have to spray the neutralizer on her to make sure she doesn't have anything on her anymore. And they have to crane her out of the rubble. And, and who's there waiting? Then, of course, who's waiting is uh, Quinn. That's right. Perky is, of course, the one that is like spraying her off with the neutralizer. She gets craned out of the rubble. Um, she asks about Chief Quinn. Is Chief Quinn safe? Because she was worried about him. Mm -hmm, yes. With this whole thing. So Perky says, he's over there. Last I heard, he was screaming something about skinning a crazy suicidal pyro pyromaniac unicorn. And again, she's like, oh, he's angry at me. But it's a turn on. Yeah. So then she goes from under the rubble to the hospital. And she's only in the hospital for a few hours. And then they take her back to Quinn's house to stay there more. And, oh, when she first saw Quinn and he started yelling at her. She poofed back into being a human. So by the time they left the destroyed building location to go to the hospital, she was a human again, but this doesn't, why am I even saying this doesn't make sense? Because everything that happens is ridiculous. Yeah. A stupid cell phone bomb in her apartment, blowing Gorgon dust in her face and has to go through like a month of the glass coffin and all this other stuff. But then she's in a literal napalm bomb, Gorgon dust, inferno, building destroying incident. And she's out of the hospital in the span of like three hours. I think, uh, okay, so I was <laughs> thinking the same thing. And I think it's because she was in her unicorn form. Oh, okay. So she's upset be when this happened because the people that worked there in the office building... Mm that were turned into the statues. Apparently there's a thing they can put on you. I guess it's the neutralizer that can reverse the effects mm -hmm. and get you out of that statue state. But because she had to destroy the building, all those people did like shatter, like the statues you were talking about and they died. So she's upset at the end of this because of that. But they, she feels like she killed all those people. But then they explained to her, she actually ended up saving the entire city of New York because this mm -hmm. stuff would have spread and it would there would have been no stopping it. So sure, they had X number of people that didn't make it, but there were tens of thousands of people that are still alive because of her. When they take her to the hospital, the doctor, the professor shows up again, this Professor Yale, who I guess has nothing else to do but to be there, at, there every time something turns around and he brought her some clothes for her to get dressed in and he brings her a pair of black lace panties and a matching bra and she says <laughs> the bra fits a little too well um how does this professor know her because she doesn't usually have this kind of stuff and remember everything burned up in her apartment so he had to go oh the cdc keeps everybody's sizes on file 
I guess, for just such an emergency if they need clothes, right? CDC in this magical Good world God. does so much stuff that the actual CDC oh my God. would never do. Oh, yeah, I can't wait till we get to that part. The bra and panty size is the least of our... <laughs> <laughs> That's right. And yeah, so she's worried she's um, gonna lose her certification because she of what she did. And they said, No, you're not, you're actually a hero. Yeah, and then this is like the saddest quote that ever happens in this book. She's talking to Chief Quinn about the whole thing and how her life is meaningless. And she says, I'm not like you, Quinn. I'm not respected. I'm not like oh, yeah. I have no one. Mm -hmm. For someone like me, when I die, that's it. Everyone else moves on. Someone might wonder what happened to the only human stupid enough to work at a fairy-run coffee shop. Some might even remember my name was Bailey because they thought it was funny. I had a, the same name as in alcohol, often served in coffee. Mm -hmm. You help people. Me? I mess things up. And then Quinn responds, when Yale warned me you had enough self-esteem issues to keep an entire mental oh, hospital yeah. busy... I really thought he was exaggerating. They end up having this whole conversation about how, you know, he does actually like her. Yeah, the they, way you know, this talk it flips, out. this flips from him yelling at her constantly to her saying how much he hates her to what transpires next. Go ahead. So he ends up, I don't know, maybe because he almost lost her in that building collapse or something. So he ends up just kissing her to shut her up. And he confesses that he likes her. And then she goes and blurts out that she's a virgin. Yeah, I'm like, oh, my yeah, God. God. Oh, God. So stupid. Okay. <laughs> okay. So he says, yes, I hate you so much. I want to strip you out of that little dress and make you like it. And then that's when she blurts out, I'm a virgin. Yeah. So ridiculous. It is ridiculous. And then um, he says... I'm going to put this as simply as possible so there are absolutely no misunderstandings. I am absolutely furious you tried to get yourself killed. I want to bend you over my knee and spank you until you swear never to do that again. And she replies, yes, please. And I think, finally, this book's getting good. Like, we're finally getting to the hot <laughs> stuff. Yeah. Other than the literal fire napalm, we're getting to the hot stuff I care about. Right. But uh, we're yeah, not. wrong again. <laughs> Because the very next chapter opens up. I did actually like this quote, but at the same time, it pissed me off. So the next chapter starts with um, this. It says, I didn't lose my virginity. Lose implied I wanted it back, cared it was gone, or would otherwise miss it. I liked to think we took it out back, clubbed <laughs> it to death, lit it on mm -hmm. fire so it never bothered me again, and gave it a nice funeral. Yeah, that's great. So I'm like, okay, that's like a great line, couple lines. But this is a motherfucking fade to black again. Yeah, well, both our favorites. Two, <laughs> two, twice in a row. Yeah, well, what did we know? <sighs> oh my God. And didn't I say, I guess because we already had this book picked, but I said I was going to like do keyword searches and make sure it never happened. Famous last words. I was like, it's never going to happen to us again, you guys. I'm going to be so careful next time. But <laughs> if it makes you feel any better, you didn't pick this book. I did. So... Yeah, okay, I don't. I don't sure. know how but, to do tag searches to see what a fade to black is. So you know, if I'm picking a book, it is what it is. Yeah, I guess so. That was pretty disappointing. <laughs> but, yeah. So 
Um, we missed everything fade to black. They go back to Quinn's office so he can do even more work. She's exhausted. She sleeps on his sofa for eight hours. I still don't understand why can't she be left alone? Why does she have to sleep on his sofa in his uh, chief office? I have no idea. Uh, okay, then she gets woken up to clean up yeah. even more Gorgon vomit. <laughs> like, <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> because there's an endless supply of this crap, apparently, in her world. I Jesus Christ, I guess. Yeah. It's like everything in this book is Gorgon puke related. Right. <sighs> yes. It's like <laughs> so ridiculous. So then she goes off and it says that she arrives to, and I quote, a mile long trail of yeah. vomit and a bunch of statues. <laughs> oh, it's just great to and be her. There was a Gorgon couple looking for a human surrogate because apparently Gorgons can't have their own babies. <laughs> Yeah, it's <laughs> and they got drunk in a bar and then they were basically vomiting because they were so wasted and that's what caused this trail of destruction. <laughs> yeah, and she's the one responsible oh for cleaning all of it up. Yeah, so then when she's there to try to clean it up, the the male Gorgon is like, oh, you would be a good human surrogate. And she refuses because he's trying to find women to be surrogates for them. Yeah, because that's the only way they can have children. And she refuses and then um he ends up trying to like grab her anyways they have a whole like fight thing and he bites her turns out he's all like sexed up because at the bar they were at an incubus was there and started an orgy which led to this drunken rampage um and she has to she finally locates the bar after this gorgon that attacked her got like carted off and she has to ask an angel (laughs) To come oh my god neutralize the incubus's power mm-hmm. by singing and so the angel does that and it ends up like killing her and i quote only a little right yeah <laughs> it, yeah that was confusing oh too god. so the angel singing is death for her i guess it's some something to do with her like magical um the way she reacts to magic is so different that even though it doesn't kill anybody in the bar it like killed her only oh, okay. Oh, and you forgot to mention when she goes to this site, they make her go with two other cops, and one of the cops is a werewolf. So we have a werewolf in here too. <laughs> yeah, we can't forget. Yeah, we can't forget that. <laughs> After this whole incident is done, they her and Quinn go to go back to his house, but he got a notification that his ex-wife was there waiting for him. She makes a comment about not wanting to be a oh because she's all sexed up with the incubus power so she's all like hot and bothered she wants to go back to his house and bang it out off page (laughs) (laughs) so because the ex-wife is there waiting for him she makes a comment about she's going to be a convict before a girlfriend if the ex-wife gets in the way of her getting some love in from chief quinn and then he has a whole conversation about like, you're the first person I've been with since my divorce and you are my girlfriend. I'm like, wow, this just yes. continues to escal- escalate quickly. It's very much so. So then they detour to the Plaza Hotel oh, so they can do all sorts of fun times that we never hear about. Turns You forgot to-, to mention that they go in, the chief's already made arrangements for their room and 
everybody's like in on this and she's like what's going on and he picks her up over his shoulder or were you going to say that no it's fine in the grand scheme of the ridiculous shit that happens this is like the least of my yeah they're all <laughs> laughing and giggling because they know he's this doesn't even register on my ridiculous well radar i thought it was ridiculous point. because i'm like if some man humiliated me like that i would kill him you know, but she just takes it all in strides and he just, you know, carries her up to their room to have sexy time. Okay, but compared to the reason why the ex-wife was at Chief Quinn's house. Oh, yes. Okay. Is, so the, the ex-wife was at the house because she herself snorted Gorgon dust and became a Gorgon herself. And now she wants to use Bailey as a surrogate. For her baby. This book just gets more and more <laughs> absurd and far-fetched. It's like this person could have written 12 books out of all the characters and crap that take place in this book. Yeah, it's like just one ridiculous thing after another. And at this point, like, well, not at this point, the whole time, you're not like, I don't know if they're thinking like that's what makes it a comedy is because it's so like ridiculous and like slapstick. Like, this is not how you write a comedy. I'm not laughing with the book. I'm laughing at yeah. the book. And that does not make a book a comedy. I'm, I keep telling myself I have to go back in and read some of those 5,000 reviews to see what exactly are these people saying about this book. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, I enjoyed it. And it was so, like, engrossing how ridiculous everything was that I, like, I ended up reading this book very quickly. <laughs> it was so ridiculous. But it was just, oh, my God. Just okay it gets even more ridiculous from here so at one point the head of the cdc calls oh bailey yeah propositions her with a hookup with the gorgon prince that she assaulted from earlier because he wants and i quote a virgin to have his babies and she goes off on a really gross tangent about how she isn't a virgin and he says i can't even yeah. say it he asks her do you have proof of a relationship and your non-virginal status this, this <laughs> whole freaking conversation is the most absurd stupid thing <laughs> what the hell as a woman we're from the 70s fighting you know sexism and you know the patriarchy and here we are in what 2021 and we're reading about the CDC asking a woman to prove that she's in a relationship or a virgin and can she produce a some kind of marriage license or certificate showing that she's involved with a man. The head of the CDC says that they have a rather annoying law yeah. and the CDC needs to provide evidence yeah. of a potential surrogate among our employees. Like what? Yeah. <laughs> well, what? Right. <laughs> And this prince oh offered $6 million for her to become the mother of his children. He goes, proof of a relationship and confirmation of your dot, dot, dot. And she says, very active and happy sex right. life. And then the head of the CDC goes, yes, that. If you can provide verification, the CDC can ensure no one will bother you in the future. Ugh. I like this too it's because so he gross. says to her, well, your file indicates that you're a loner, Miss Gardner. I didn't know loner was right there with single, divorced, never married. I didn't know loner was a box you could check. Apparently. Yeah. it's like And there's no relationship. <laughs> there's no emergency contacts. You know, and she's like, I'm not single. I just haven't figured out how to get the bastard to marry me yet. And of course, the chief slides off his chair and is coughing and wheezing and, you know, just having a coughing fit because he's laughing so hard. 
Oh, he thinks it's hilarious. And so then the head of the CDC says, well, a marriage license would be sufficient to prove an engagement if you can find a man willing to sign one. And it's like, yeah, they they only last six months before they expire. So you better hurry up if that's how you're going to get out of this. Yeah. Bring me proof of your non-single marital status. And we'll discuss the proposal for your employment, Miss Gardner. And he hung up on her. Just like, oh my gosh, this is ridiculous. Chief Quinn thought it was hilarious. Of of course course. he did. And I thought it was disturbing. Okay. So then they stop at the bank so she can deposit that massive check that she received for destroying that building. Oh, but wait, but Quinn Quinn tells her, I'm going to take you somewhere and I'm taking Perky road road trip. trip. I'm taking Perky. I'm taking you. But first, we're going to go to the bank so you can deposit that check. And he says, move your ass, woman. We're, go- we're going on a drive. And he's like, I need two volunteers to come with me. And that's when Perky and this older cop named Nilman, I guess, agree to go with them. This part didn't really make sense either. But okay. So they end up driving hours across state lines to go to a vampire run all night courthouse and they arrive at three in the morning and it says let me find the freaking quote because i'm like why why did you guys drive for hours to go to this um the all night courthouse that serves the nocturnal paranormal residents because it says in the same chapter every city had at least one courthouse open from dusk to dawn with full judicial services catering to those unable to venture out into the sunlight you're in freaking new york right new york city manhattan why if every city has one right why are you fucking driving till three in the morning across state lines to go to like richmond virginia right and then for the courthouse yeah and 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 perky's like standing with her and saying just don't cry don't cry or don't say no don't piss off the chief and she's oh yeah don't say no you're gonna upset him and she's like i don't know what the fuck's happening right now i totally knew what was happening as soon as he said road trip i'm like oh i know what's coming yes okay yeah and then she walks into the courthouse and her mom and dad are there and because she needs the birth certificate yeah (laughs) so then If they hate her so much, why in God's name would they go to the courthouse? So maybe the family, maybe the parents live in Richmond and they were like, meet us at the courthouse and bring her birth certificate. And that's why they had to travel to a different courthouse. Maybe this is a very generous stretch of the plot I'm giving right now. Yeah, I I don't understand. This is honest to God. This is where I stopped reading the book. I'm like, I cannot okay. subject myself to this anymore. But go ahead. So you're going to have to just take over. So when you saw the parents in there, that's when you stopped reading? When we got to Quinn's pedigree. The parents don't want to hand over the birth certificate because they hate her so much <laughs> that she, she ends up having to leave the building and go hide in the car because one of the angels that's in the all night courthouse is going to smite her parents and take the birth certificate. Yeah. I'm like, how much do these people really hate her with a vengeance that they will drive yep. to the courthouse in the middle of the night just to wave the birth certificate just in her face no. and say, we're not giving you this. No, no, no. Yeah. Have this. Right. Oh my God. And there's, yeah, in front of like the vampire judge, the angel witness, all these things. They're like, 
No, I don't think so. Yeah, and then Quinn, I guess, goes to say something nasty to them. And there's the the angels that is there covers his mouth and says, you need to be polite. I, I, I know the words that you're going to speak are not polite. And then that's when the... Yeah, because he, he can like read minds or something. Right. Quinn's family is there. And so he ends up introducing her to a bunch of his family members. And to say that his <laughs> family tree is complicated oh, is an understatement. Yeah, you need a spreadsheet. So I ended up, when I took a pause in typing up my notes for this episode to do a family oh tree God. for him. <laughs> oh my God. This is where I'm like, I, this is, go ahead. I'm sorry. I, I think I'm going to take a picture of this and put it on our yeah. Instagram because this is how fucking okay, ridiculous yeah, it is. Do. I think that's a great idea. So it turns out Chief Quinn is part angel, part incubus, part gorgon, and part human. So his father and his mother were both humans. But his father's parents, uh, his father's father was a gorgon, and his father's mother was a centaur. And his mom, she had an angel for a dad, a human for a mother, and because angels and humans can't have babies together without the help of an incubus, oh God. she also has an incubus, a grandfather or a father. So Chief Quinn has three grandfathers and two grandmothers and his great grandparents <laughs> are Anubis. Yes, the Anubis and a Sphinx, not the Sphinx. And the cousin that assaulted her, or the Gorgon that assaulted Bailey, is actually Quinn's Gorgon cousin once removed. <laughs> and his father is a king. <laughs> yeah. It, Are you freaking kidding me right all, now? This is almost where I stopped reading. And it, Quinn kept saying, yeah, I can't wait till we're married because then I can legally kick his ass for making a pass at you. And I won't get in trouble because as your husband, it's my right. To beat him up. I'm like, could you be any stupider? Well, so later in the book, they explain that Gorgon law trumps human law. I don't care. It's, which... it's ridiculous <laughs> and stupid. Yeah. So then um, after all these like bizarre family introductions are done, so they get married and the, ma <laughs> the marriage, I actually did like these marriage vows. It goes, once you sign, you're married, blah, blah, blah. Till death you do you part and some crap about the state of Virginia sign here. That was the extent <laughs> of it? That's that was it. That was a little that you didn't no, even read that I didn't. part. I couldn't. I just could not. I almost was in tears in reading this in bed, going, I can't do this. I, I'm qu quitting. I I cannot read these kinds of books be because yeah. my life is flitting away before my eyes. <laughs> Yeah, so that's their that's oh, okay. the vows that the judge does. The judge hands them a pen. Uh, Bailey says, like, oh, we should use that on a card, Quinn. Blah, blah, blah. Till death do we part and some other crap. It's brilliant. Then she says, don't we need a witness to sign this damn thing? And then one of his grandfathers, the angel, comes up and he says, um, I'm going to sign it as your witness. Well, the other thing that's weird about these angels that they describe earlier is they don't have a head. Oh, my God. Yeah, what do you mean they don't have a head? They apparently are headless. And then she's really confused. How do they talk? And then at one point she references like, if he had a neck, I would ring it. Oh my God. <laughs> she's so pissed yeah, off. Yeah, I'm like, this is, why can't that? I oh think the reason that she said, Bailey goes, how can they talk? Is because the author's probably thinking we're all sitting in 
reading it going, how the hell do these angels talk if they don't have a head? So she had to address that somehow. I don't know. Well, I'm, I have a lot of questions for what's happening in this book. So at the end of the marriage ceremony and the license is getting signed and everything, the angel family member ends up giving them like a wedding present and he gives them matching tattoos on their wrist, which are like angel wings. And it turns out those are like um, literal ball and chain <gasps> because if anybody tries to touch what's his name Quinn Quinn or her they're gonna get zapped oh uh, Quinn says um she says someone invented woman repellent and to think I thought I'd be spending the rest of my life beating off the competition because of course she has no self-esteem right Quinn says and now I'm thinking grandpa may have realized your self-esteem issues are actually coupled with jealousy induced anxiety and then of course she goes on to say well you're gorgeous and I'm hideous blah blah <sighs> Is it over now? No, my God, so much stuff. Yeah, oh my God, okay. So I can't wait to tell you because you didn't I read couldn't, it. I couldn't do it. Okay, so then at some point, the um, Gorgon that assaulted her, the uh, once removed cousin and his dad, the Gorgon King, have a conversation with her and uh, Quinn apologizing for the incident um, then they also have a follow-up conversation with the CDC director explaining that they're married now. They end up going back to the Plaza Hotel because they have plans for a honeymoon. Okay. He had uh, he wanted to surprise her with a honeymoon. So he is talking to like somebody in the lobby trying to like finalize some little surprise for her. And she goes ahead and she goes into the room of the hotel. And as soon as she opens the door to the hotel room... She gets hit in the face again with some sort of match. <laughs> no, I shit you what? not. <laughs> with Gorgon Pile? <laughs> with with <laughs> something. <laughs> she gets hit in the face with oh. something. And it knocks her ass out. And she ends up waking up in a brand new place. She has no idea where she is. And it's the ex-wife oh, and an incubus who are holding her hostage. And the ex-wife, turns out her name is Audrey McGee, and she says that she's been watching Bailey for months, and she wants Bailey's virgin body to bring her children into the world. And I'm like, why is everybody obsessed with her virgin body? It's Yeah, gross. considering she has bad self-esteem, everybody wants her. I would be such a conceited snob if I were her. <laughs> everybody <laughs> in the world, I wouldn't even let you speak to me, because I would be so conceited, because so many people would want me. Uh, yeah, apparently a virginal loner is a well, hot apparently. in this. <laughs> I got the loner part down. Yeah, so then Audrey ends up leaving Bailey and the Incubus alone um, to have sex, I would assume. Okay. They don't end up doing that at all. The Incubus ends up pulling out a pack of cards and playing cards with her. What? <laughs> I can't, you can't even make this shit up. <laughs> Unless you're the author, apparently. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> So she ends up tricking him into playing strip oh, poker. God, stop. Because I can't. <laughs> <laughs> oh. she, she had transformative pills on her and she had like this really powerful pixie dust with her. So she gets the incubus to like strip down. She pops all of the transformative pills so she can get into her unicorn form. And she throws the pixie dust on them and tries to run off. But as she does, she runs into the door and hopes that she can like hit the door and open it. 
She doesn't. She just impales herself on the door <laughs> with her whole. Oh my god. Okay, so did she forget that nobody can touch her because of the tattoo the grandfather gave her? Why is she so paranoid about this incubus touching her? I don't know. You can't use logic I in can, this That's book. why I didn't like it. And why in God's name does she happen to have transformative pills on her? I don't remember why she has the transformative pills or... She was planning on doing some like kinky thing with the chief on the honeymoon. Oh God, in her unicorn form. Or like maybe she was going to try to make him transform or she was going to, I don't know if she was going to use those with the pixie dust. At the, I don't remember, honestly. Okay. There's so much weird shit that All right, happens. Go ahead. So she's stuck with her horn stuck in the door. <laughs> so she ends up ripping the door off the hinges. She like impales the incubus with like her oh. horn and the door and she's finally able to run off. And when she does, she ends up, like, running straight into a truck. Get out. And, like, demolishing it, totaling a truck. And then a bunch of police cars arrive. And she <laughs> she's so, like, tired and cold because she's oh, right. a unicorn. Yes. She ends up sticking her head in one of the windows of the police cars and falling asleep. What? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> she's so exhausted. It turns out that she was kidnapped from New York eight days ago, and now she's in Vermont. So she's been, like, knocked out with whatever these people gave to her for eight days. Um, she's able to communicate to them that she needs her husband, Chief Quinn. This is, wait, wait, wait. wait. I'm sorry. I, I continue to ask questions when I shouldn't. <laughs> no, you should, because it does not make Why any sense. Why did the incubus not just have his way with her while she was knocked out? It's never okay, explained. go ahead. It exactly. It does not make any Obviously, sense. Why would he, he just not do anything? Yeah, he has no moral standing. Apparently, that he would kidnap her. Well, and when she's finally awake, he the first thing he wants play to do cards? is play strip yeah, poker. The, oh, okay, maybe because he can't because of her tattoo, but it's never explained. So just uh, it's just uh, weird. It does not make any sense. Okay, so they have to like convince her. She got injured when she was escaping and running into that car. Uh -oh. So they have to feed her five pounds of C4. Or ridiculous. Of Get C4. Out of here. <laughs> oh my God. God. It's spray her down with napalm and light her on fire or what? So they feed her C4 and convince her to undergo an examination and she had to have stitches. So then uh, Quinn finally shows up. Um, one of his family members, another angel, comes to help and transforms her back into her human form. And her and him talk to the police chief of the Vermont police force and try to figure out how everything is connected with between like the building explosion thing that oh, happened on Wall Street. I totally Street, forgot about the building. Kidnapping. Yeah, I, oh my God, all this stuff. So they do this whole like recapping oh of the entire plot God. of the story at this point to figure they have to out. They cliff notes who at it was. the end of the book. So that, yes, oh, they really God. did. And they actually helped me because it was okay. so ridiculous. So they come to the conclusion that Audrey, the ex-wife, blames Bailey for her breakup with Chief Quinn because it was around the time that the chief started going to the coffee shop and he was having sex with Audrey a lot more because apparently him being an incubus isn't enough. But Bailey was like spiking his coffee with like 
stuff to make him happier because he was always in a shitty mood. I really don't understand how they connected the A to Z here. But they basically say Audrey's the one to blame for everything because she's trying to get Bailey to like get revenge on Bailey, but then also get her to be like the surrogate for the babies. It's very bizarre. What do they say? Keep your friends close and your enemies closer. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. It oh takes my God, it I to guess. the extreme. Quinn goes off to hunt Audrey because he blames himself for putting Bailey at risk and come to find out Gorgon law trumps human law. So Quinn can lawfully kill Audrey for threatening and harming his wife oh my God. and have absolutely no repercussions. Wow. Must be nice. So then Bailey needs to go on a rescue mission for her husband, because even though he's, uh, let me look at my notes, part angel, part incubus, part Gorgon and part human, he can't possibly do this all by himself without Bailey's help. And uh, why would his wife cheat on him if he's all those things? He was not able to satisfy her. What the what the I, hell is Audrey's lineage in all of this? If Quinn's, Quinn's not enough for her, for her, that she would cheat with some young guy that's totally <laughs> inexperienced and he's an incu- part incubus. Okay. So Bailey calls the CDC because she needs supplies to go after Quinn because it turns out uh, Quinn is going after Audrey and she's in some sort of like Gorgon hive with a bunch of other Gorgons. Um, The supplies she requests include Phoenix feathers and Ambrosia. She goes, I have pixie dust, Phoenix feathers, Ambrosia and sedatives. You and your snakes don't scare me. Go ahead and continue that sentence, old man. I could be sleeping in some nice hotel room right now, but no, I have to chase my idiot husband who got the idea into his pea-sized <laughs> brain. He needed to handle a horny Gorgon hive on his own. Oh, my God. <laughs> okay, so I do remember with the Phoenix Feathers, when she was in that building that was Audrey, apparently, stuffed full of C4 and needed napalm for that she did mention the fact that if they had phoenix feathers, that would make the fire burn hot enough to destroy all of that gargon uh, dust. Yeah, because the phoenix fire is like a whole other level right. of fire, apparently. So she, I guess she needs the phoenix feathers to burn the hive. Yeah, so then, so she uses her magical tracking ability to figure out where the hive is. And the CDC gave her not one phoenix feather, but two oh phoenix feathers. Oh my god, not two. Oh, it gets worse. So the, each feather is wrapped in its own baby blanket. What? And it turns out these feathers are the like last living um, phoenixes from this pair of like doomed phoenix couples. Oh, Jesus it's a Christ. horrible and super sad tragic backstory about these phoenixes oh. to get these feathers for absolutely no reason. That's so sad. It was horrible. I'm like, this is not a comedy. Yeah, it's not. I don't, I don't like, like it. it either. So it turns out that Bailey is what is called a wayfinder. That's what her magic is. They finally explain it in one oh. sentence. But it never comes back mm. again. Like it has absolutely nothing to do with anything, I guess. Um, she uses the feathers to regenerate the phoenixes and then bribes them with the ambrosia to help her by using their fire to burn all of the gorgon dust, but not burn the people inside. Yeah, don't burn my husband. Don't burn the people, whatever. Um, one of them cuts her with his like beak or something. And her blood turns gold. And then the phoenix like licks up her blood on her arm. It's very weird. And it never 
followed up to anything either. Wow. I was like, why is there so much stuff happening that never, you know, wrapped up at the end of the book? Yeah, it's like they, that's what you have to do when you write a book. If you have a string of things happening, you have to come to some conclusion or finality of why you're introducing these items into your storyline. You can't just say, oh, you know what would be cool? Some freaking phoenix coming back to life and licking this person's blood, turning her to gold. Uh, you can't do <laughs> yeah. that. Yeah, because I think, I mean, I could be wrong, but I think each book in this series is a different couple. Wait, so it's wait not like a in minute. book two. Wait just one moment. What? Are you telling me <laughs> <laughs> that this is a goddamn series of books? Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. It, it is a series. I did not know and that. So, yeah, but I, I'm i like 95% certain each book is a different couple. Well, because I am in the land of denial, I think I did say, did I not say? No, it just said with a body count. It didn't say book one. Yeah, no, yeah, no, it's, it doesn't. So, so once the Phoenix is, the Phoenix is burn all the Gorgon dust, but not the people. They do disappear. And then she has like a fleeting thought. I'm going to get in so much trouble for letting both those super rare Phoenixes disappear on me. But, oh, well, what can I do? I still need to save my husband. When she is in the hive herself, she does locate Quinn. And he's in his incubus form, which actually sounded really cool. He's like a incubus, but also Gorgon because he has a dozen cobras in his hair. Oh, dear God. Says, says he has wings with feathers that are sky blue and he has a tail. And I'm like, oh, it's finally getting good again, but it still, again, amounts to nothing. Oh, my God. Hold on one <laughs> second. The dog's losing his mind. Hold on. Yes. I'm so sorry, but the the dog three blocks over was barking. So my dog... <laughs> My dog couldn't handle it. Jesus. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> but of course, when I call her to come to me and I'm standing in the same room, she doesn't hear me. That's okay. It gave me a chance to eat a coffee oh, okay. because I'm I'm still recovering from oh, that freaking cold. It's so annoying. As um, annoying as okay, this book. So, well, we are almost okay, done. Thank okay, thank God. Okay. <laughs> okay, so he's in his Gorgon slash Incubus form. He ends up like, of course, kissing her because he's so excited to see her. But as he's kissing her, he pushes her up against a rock wall of the hive cave location thing. And he makes a bunch of the rocks like come out and encase what? her and like hold her in place. And I'm like, okay, this could be really kinky yeah, where she's okay, like chained yeah. up in rock in his incubus form. But given the book we're reading, <laughs> it's not kinky. At okay. All, <laughs> all right. Why does he do that then? So then, so while he does that to her, because he wants to take care of Audrey and all of the um, Gorgon. Apparently, Audrey's not in this hive location by herself. She has five Gorgon sisters. Jesus Christ! There, there's a bunch of eggs because <sighs> apparently the Gorgons are like snakes and they lay eggs. And there's petrified surrogates everywhere, plus a child, what? like a five-year-old child that they had kidnapped or something. Oh, my God. Okay. So Quinn ends up killing Audrey. I think he kills all the other Gorgon women there because he destroys the hive. They take all of the eggs and they try to figure out which ones are viable fertilized eggs, basically. 
and they start incubating whichever ones are still there because apparently the Gorgons really do value their young, even though this hive was horrible. They're going to take care of whatever young they can find there <laughs> and incubate them. And then they describe the Gorgon um, adoption process. Oh, no. Which is <laughs> <laughs> the pit. Oh, my God. How does a spider have anything left to, in her brain? <laughs> In her brain to contribute to another bird. How is it? How is it possible? So apparently, yeah. So the Gorgon adoption. Oh my god! <laughs> There's like a committee that will interview the parents, and then they have to do this like fight, and whoever's the strongest and oh competes the hardest for the eggs or the young is the one that's awarded the winner and whatever thank, prove that you're worthy kind thank of shit God there are no <laughs> sharp instruments on my desk right now because <laughs> i would not be responsible for what i would be doing right now to myself <sighs> if i could find a way out of this i can't even sit here and listen so, to you talk about it but go ahead i had to if i had to read this you're gonna listen oh, Jesus to everything Christ. Say, <laughs> what about our, no taking the easy way out our poor listeners if we have any left at they, this point, they probably all, they probably all end don't. up. Well, okay, so it's just you and me. Go ahead. We'll, we'll wrap it up for ourselves. Yeah. Well, it's basically oh, over. A God. couple more little things Ugh. happen that really don't matter, and it's the end there's of the no book. There's no epilogue. But there's no follow-up. There's no, Come on. There's absolutely no epilogue mm, or anything. Oh, that's a bummer. But I, oh, sure it is. But I would like to say that while I was on hold, while you were dealing with your dog, I looked up the series and it says um should the author has a reading order for the series and she says greetings while you can read the magical romantic comedy with a body count series in almost any order here is the official series reading order as determined by a pair of cats oh, and there are 18 <gasps> motherfucking no there are not <laughs> number one playing with fire then it's hoofing it, hearth, mm -hmm. home, and havoc, serial killer, princess, whatever for hire, owl, be yours, last but not leashed, no kitten around, foul play, blending in, cheetahs, never win, <laughs> burn, baby, burn. Uh, oh, a sequel to Playing With Fire, actually, is burning. Is there any way I can mute you on this site? <laughs> <laughs> no, damn it. Trouble, trouble. Okay, humor, stop. You've made your shoulder. point. Please stop. I'm begging a you. Flame game. An another fucking sequel yeah. to play with <laughs> Elder abuse. Elder abuse. Murder mittens and cat napped. <laughs> oh my god. Okay, can we rate this book? Oh my god. Well, seeing as how you didn't finish it, I think you're going to give it negative. Thank panties. you. <laughs> that is, did yes, I guess you did? Because I usually finish a book <laughs> that I started, even if I'm not into it 100%, I can't not finish a book. I could f not finish this book. So I give it negative 12 panties. 12? Yes. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but yeah, and I'm being conservative. I'm being kind. <laughs> We'll just make it an even dozen. Yeah, there you go. Baker's dozen. Baker's dozen. dozen. Thirteen. Yeah. Oh my god. And you? That's hilarious. And you? <laughs> if you give this goddamn book <laughs> anything higher than a thong, one thong. 
I will never speak to you again. But go ahead. <laughs> no. Oh my god. <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead. Oh my god. So w- this book was not a comedy at all, but I actually no, liked it. Not. What? What? I I will partially blame this on the illness I had all last week while I was reading this book. Okay. And the fact that your children um, were home to push you over the edge on top of it. Yeah, but this was like the this was the most bizarre WTF book I've ever yeah. read. And I I thought it was okay. What? And I I did not like it, but I also didn't hate it. I was like, this was like a weird experience. And I I want to give it three panties. You're, you're joking. <laughs> Shit, you're not. Even though it was fade to black. It was so out there and like, what the fuck? Like bizarre. Yeah. How how many mushrooms do you have to eat to write at this caliber? Maybe my Kindle was releasing pixie dust. Yes. The other book that I gave a bad review to is like a Pulitzer prize winning work of, of art compared to this. I (laughs) seriously cannot do this podcast with you anymore because you'll, (laughs) You better find a book that you really don't like to sh- prove to me that you are capable of saying you don't like a book. We have read books for this podcast that I disliked more. Get than the this hell book. out of here! What? I-, I didn't like that other one that you were referencing just now, saying that you know you originally said that you oh would, yeah you know okay. burn it with fire. Yes. I, I thought this was stupid, but also kind of fun. Like, it's like, I mean, I guess in the way that a comedy is where it's just like stupid, but fun, like a Jim Carrey, like early 90s a comedy, like ridiculousness. Mm, okay. But I, the thing that I did not like about this was that we actually paid for this book because this was like the one book we've read that was not on. KU. Oh, well, there you go. That'll teach us. So, so that was a real bummer. So we paid for this. Oh, book. but you liked it. You gave it three panties. It certainly, it was worth the money. It was. <laughs> Don't tell me it's not after those the glowing review you gave it. I was really sick last no, week. Okay. When I was reading this. Yeah, you're so sick. I'm going to have you quarantined in a glass coffin to teach you a lesson. I, I mean, can it last for two weeks for the rest of my kids? <laughs> no, break? I'm sorry. Oh, yeah, I forgot to tell you. They're going to be with you. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> and I'm not being sedated. No, I'm just you're just locked in, like... in it. It's going to be a glass room mm. so I can observe you. Yeah, this book was ridiculous, and I will not read anything else by this author, but I still thought it was like... Wow. Okay. Uh, I, it could very easily be... I, I don't know. I have no um, no justification for myself at this point. By the way, if there's anybody out there that is interested in continuing a podcast with me and you you have some <laughs> semblance of taste and literature that you read, please feel free to reach out to me. Maybe the taste skips a generation. Yeah, that must be it. That's got to be it. So there's hope for your children. Okay. Uh... Yeah. yeah, I'll take your youngest over doing a podcast with me over you after this. <laughs> Sweet little girl. All right. I mean, hey, you you picked this one and you actually picked the next one. Do you want to say what the next one is? 
You already finished I did the next finish one. Actually, the next one. Uh, the book, the book that we are going to review, it's called Viper, and the author is Naomi Lucas of my first snake human Mine hybrid. Mine too. Yes, so it'll be very interesting. The dark pathways and alleyways you lead your poor mother through. I mean, at least there's no Gorgon vomit in Are this Are you one. sure? <laughs> you haven't finished this book yet, so I don't know. Oh my God. Yeah, okay. Well, I'm glad that we got that wrapped up. Yes, me too. I'm going to... Uh shelf this book i'm gonna take a picture of this thing for the instagram yes, and because if i put all that effort into reading this book and making a family flow chart i'm gonna share this damn thing. so Viper's <laughs> gonna be isn't that gonna be our first book for the the new year 2022 it is yes <gasps> well let's hope that 2022 is a booming year for us and uh everybody uh is prosperous and reads only good books in the future <laughs> yeah, fingers, fingers crossed. crossed yes a happy new year everybody yes happy new year happy new year and yes this will be i don't have my calendar but whatever the monday is after the new year that's what it'll that's when it viper will okay. air sounds good mm-hmm.